Sponsoring this week's podcast is, no surprise, Thomas Royale Swimwear. So Sam Saunders, his own brand. We've got designer swimming shorts, designer swimming trunks, kids collection. We've got caps, bikinis. Get on their website, www.thomasroyale.com. Follow them on Instagram, on Twitter. Go on, give yourself a little treat ready for the summer. Welcome back to the latest episode of the Longman's Football World podcast. A uh, special guest for this one, a young man that goes by the name Sam Saunders. Uh, Still playing, still playing, still living the dream in London. Born and bred Londoner, he's never leaving that place. Could not survive a day outside of the big city, the big smoke. Um, Met up with him in Chiswick. Doesn't live too far away from there, West London. Met up in a little cafe called Nicky's Bakery. Naturally, I got the coffees. Anybody who knows Saunds, that will not be a surprise to anybody. So I got those in. We first came across each other in 2005. Both of us playing non-league football and uh, both picked for a non-league touring team called the Middlesex Wanderers, where we spent, I think, between 10 and 14 days over in Japan, playing some games, uh, some unbelievable stadiums, and we were basically treated like kings. Um, Sam was at the time doing the rounds in non-league and and working as an electrician on the underground, looking for a way into the Football League. And um, I'm not sure if he would have been aware at the time, but the club he'd just signed for, Dagenham and Redbridge, that was his way in. So success at Dagenham, promotion, League Two, and um, the rest is history. Moved on to Brentford. From there, really successful period there. Ups and downs, but you know, looking back, real good period for him. Played with him there as well. Had a little loan move from Norwich, so met up with him once again there. And he's now still playing at Wickham. But more than that, really, he's he's a footballer with a with a bit of a business head on him. Um, although he's still enjoying his football, he's got one eye on the future what he's going to do afterwards so real interesting to get his insight into that he's the founder of Thomas Royal uh, swimwear so swim shorts for men uh, swimming costumes for bikinis for, for ladies as well caters for everybody this man um, so, so good to get that 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 bit of insight into, into that world a different world for him but one that he's enjoying and, and looking to continue to get plenty of success so give him a little follow Twitter Instagram Thomas Royal to make sure that you look snazzy on the beaches this summer. So hopefully you guys enjoy this conversation with Sam Saunders. He likes to tell you if anyone will listen about his seven caps, his chocolate knees, his distinct lack of pace. Now it's a long shot. The long man's football world. 
snazzy that mate Sam Saunders respecting and uh, loving this little piece of kit ain't you mate yeah no I say it's um, a bit better than your footwear used to wear on a pitch anyway them dodgy umbros <laughs> size four wings good umbros eh, mate take, take the freebies when they come them umbro uh, crowd finders <laughs> how's life mate yeah very well uh, I say we still in the same area when we first well we first met years and years ago in a, yeah, yeah. a non-league non-league scene playing for Middlesex Wanderers that's right it? yeah um, and yeah then you come and come down to Brentford for a bit and as I say it's a in a, a Norwich scenario and stuff I've see you down there and that so it's been it's been a long journey isn't it really it's, uh, it's, it's, it's good still living in West London love the area so I come over after about a year being at Brentford and it was a it's a tricky journey from South London and at the time the gaff was like you've got to come over because the, the, the travelling was just it's, like, it's a 20 mile drive but it took me about two hours a day yeah and yeah so I come over here and it's just been it's been brilliant I say I, I, I took West London in and now I, I love it and I say I can't really see myself moving for a while um, and you brought, the, you brought the sunny Welsh weather with you today mate it's beautiful isn't it and they say it's, it's, it's a great part of, the, part of the country to live and enjoy and still playing Still, I'm still getting out there and um, 34 now. 34, yes. Um, still look 25 though, don't I? Uh, you look, <laughs> you're looking good, mate. I mean, you can look at myself. I'm sure you, you've studied, analysed the grey hairs and stuff. I tell you what, I thought those highlights. I thought that was highlights. I thought you've gone very Philip Schofield on me today. Uh, I know, hey, I know you well enough, Sons. This will never happen to you, and it won't be because it's not happening naturally. What are you like, saying? There'll be some colour in there. Mate. Don't you worry about that. No, it's um, to be honest, I've just got a six-month-old daughter now, so I'm sure the greys will start to appear sooner rather than later. Uh, you're talking there. I remember our period of Brentford. It used to amaze me. London boys you used to think that you were all locals and stuff like that. That journey, just because you're from London, you're playing for a London club. That two-hour journey, no. used, it used to be unbelievable to me. No, it's madness. Like I say, you could. It's the equivalent of you obviously living in Cardiff and playing for Swansea, driving further. Yeah, exactly. But like the distance-wise, obviously further. But you'd get there quicker than what we'd get there from South London to West London. Yeah, yeah. And. Uh, yeah, it's it is the like I say the the London traffic and London life style is obviously they're both crazy. Um, a lot of lads come down, especially northern lads come down, and they some some of them find it com a complete contrast to what they're used to. Some love it and probably love it for outside football reasons rather than actual football reasons. And some of them just find it incredible how the hustle and bustle and stuff. But yeah, it's I've born and bred in London. I was born in Greenwich. So South London, yeah. Yeah, born in Greenwich, um, and yeah, just just been in London my whole life, so I'm used to it. But yeah, the, the journey-wise was just in, incredible, and it it takes a toll on your body. Um, sitting in the traffic for two hours, you have to unwind to try and train, and then just jump back in your car and quickly dart around the M25 before the traffic picks up again. It, it's not a good not a good routine to try and be a professional footballer. So Uwe Rosler was when he came in, he was like, "You've got to move." Um, and then that the club as itself, at, when they sign players, they have a radius where they'd like the players to move to. Yeah. Obviously, there's one or two that never quite bought into that. But as a squad itself, the majority of the lads live within about a 15 minute radius of the, of the training ground. Um, and I think that, that definitely play part in a team spirit for one. 
and in, in performances on the pitch and the training pitch as well. I bet you wish this podcast was out back in the day when you had that two-hour drive, mate. <laughs> to be honest, I wouldn't listen to myself. I've had enough. I've had enough of myself talking over the past anyway. But yeah, so it's podcasts are definitely things that I've been using more and more over the last couple of years, and they seem to be going from strength to strength. And um, do you think um, you know playing playing for London clubs? You miss out on, on that team aspect. That's obviously why you were a wrestler, wanted you boys closer together. Any other club that I'd be at, there'd be coffee, coffee clubs, coffee schools, people live in the same small city. Mm. So you have to spend time with each other for that team spirit. Can that sometimes be lacking at London clubs? Um, possibly, yeah. Um, I was quite lucky at Brentford because at Brentford we had a really, especially the side that we uh, got promoted to League One with, we had a great team spirit and a lot of young lads come in. Uh, and we, we did live in the area, so I think that definitely helped us. Like I say, we used to just have, we used to go in our coffee after training still in London. Um, it's, I can see what you're saying. I suppose in other, other cities and towns especially, there's probably only like three or four decent coffee places for everyone to go, so they, they've got no choice but to be around each other. Whereas in London, you've got, uh, you've got four or five coffee shops on each, on each high street. But yeah, Going back to what Uwe Rosler did and obviously Matthew Benham at the time, they wanted people to move in. Any players they brought in online, they put them all in the same uh, apartment block, so they all bonded and all got together and felt integrated into the squad straight away. And it's just, it, I think it does help. The more time you spend with each other in the training ground or out the training ground, subconsciously does help you just get that bond together and ultimately be, be stronger on the pitch. Was it always something that you consciously wanted to do because you've never you've never played for anybody outside of London so non-league Brentford Wickham in the London area was, was that something that you um, would dread you know contracts running out or something yeah think, oh to be God. honest I'm I'm a, I'm a southern lad to be honest and anything above Watford gives me a nosebleed yeah, yeah. so um, yeah I started a non-league and then I went to Dagenham um, we had a successful pet spell there won the conference and then done well in League Two there, and then that's when I got my move to Brentford. Um, throughout my time at Brentford, I had a few clubs that did come in, um, but I was just like, say, happy in a, in London, happy in a club like Brentford that was always striving to, to become better um, year on year. They just seemed to grow, um, whether it be in the training facilities, whether it be the squad, whether it be just something so minute as. Um, pre-season trips or just everything which seems to be getting better and better every year and as a player you're quite lucky to be a part of that um, especially when you got to above 25, 26, 27 years age very rarely get bought um, so for the next step for you to get into the, the higher levels is to go with a team that are on a, a bit of an upwards curve and Brentford was definitely that. Um, it's just timing isn't it? Yeah and you, you look at players over the past and like Ian Ashby at Hull and stuff was there yeah. all the way from League 2 and then he went and skipped them in a premiership. He would never have got signed for a premiership club but the fact that he was on a bit of a wave with a team that was doing well and it's part of the furniture he went along with that and I looked at things like that and thought yeah that's that's from me like a championship club is never going to sign me off the bat of play so I was thinking right well how am I going to get into the championship another way and that's that's by going with Brentford and but then I say being a part, being a part of the furniture, so to speak, being very good around, helping the younger players. Whenever I was called upon, I always try and do my best, and that, that helped for me. And I say got since got me into the championship. Whereas you looked at it ten years ago, when we first met the Middlesex Wanderers, 
And if you'd have offered me that, I, I would have absolutely snapped your hands off. So you wouldn't have survived at Rochdale, Carlisle, or Samoa. <laughs> to be honest, no, I don't think I would have done. I had options to go on loan um, right at the early part of my Brentford career when I wasn't quite getting on. And no, it wasn't. It was something that it just didn't really sit well. Even when I fit left Brentford like last January, I had options to go up north um, and in the high league than what Wickham was now. Uh, but it was a question of that. I, I didn't feel like I needed to go move myself and missus and she, she was pregnant at the time up there when we wanted, obviously wanted a bit of family support around us here. And so I knew what I was getting at Wickham and I knew that the fact that we had the potential to get into the league the following season anyway. So I say last year didn't quite work out, but I feel like we're, we're in a strong position this season. You mentioned a couple of times Middlesex Wanderers where we first met. For anybody who doesn't know, it's like a non-league touring team, like a football non-league equivalent to the Lions, isn't it? Where we yeah. have to carry the, the little lamb, yeah. do a little chants about this lamb. And we, we went to Japan, didn't we? Yeah. Is it, I had never heard of this in my life. The phone call came out of the blue. I thought it was a wind-up to start with. Opportunity to go to Japan for 10, 10 days to, to two weeks or, or whatever it was, play three games. Is it something for you boys? Middlesex is obviously in this, this neck of the woods. Was it something you were aware of and build up and you want a good season to join up with that? No, I'd never heard of it, to be honest. I was, uh, before I, I was at Carl Shulman and I had a decent season at Carl Shulman um, in the Conference South. John Steele obviously approached to sign me at Dagenham and they had, Dagenham had quite a good link with the Middlesex Wanderers because I don't know if you remember, there's about four, remember, yeah. four or five, six players from Dagenham that went into that tournament. Um, and you'd just signed for yeah, them? and that was one of John Steele's sweeteners. If you come and sign for me, I can get you on a two-week trip to Japan. Ah, okay, okay. Because at the time, a lad called Mark Janney got injured yeah. uh, for Dagenham, and he was in the same position, and he was going to go on that trip. So he was like, I say, when I signed for Dagenham, I half my money to go and sign for them in a full-time capacity, and it was almost like a little sweetener. You can go to Japan for two weeks, yeah. meet a few of the lads, and go from there. So it was like I say, I was going to sign for Dagenham regardless. I wanted to play football yeah. as a professional. I wanted that opportunity. Didn't quite happen for me as a, a youth player, and that was just like an added sweetener. And then to go there and I say we played at all the World Cup stadiums, yeah. um, and it was a magnificent tour. And to be honest, I wish I did now. I wish just to probably appreciate a bit more than what I probably did then. Well, um, funnily enough, sons. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was on the coaching staff of Wales C, so the Welsh Premier League players, assistant manager, and part of the England C staff. One of them mentioned the Middlesex Wanderers, and one of the guys, one of the delegates, was in the England C camp. So I had a chat with him after, and um, got a text off Steve Ward, who was part of our squad. Yeah. I think he's the manager or something of it now, asking for a couple of Welsh players. So I've tried to sort out a couple of boys to go to the Turks and Caicos Islands, just off the Dominican Republic. And that sounds too bad, doesn't End it? of May for a week. Um, so it's, it's still going. Yeah. I don't know what your memories are. I, I, I was just a raw, long, gangly fella from North Wales. Still are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, joining up with a squad of lads, London boys, I'd never come across you know, a group of people like it before. And all I remember was a couple of weeks before I broke my nose. I don't know if you remember this. I broke my nose and I had to have an operation to, to sort it out. And then part of the rehab or whatever, I had to wear this like shin pad on my nose for, for a little while, right? And I just remember turning up at Dagenham Redbridge 
uh, at, at the stadium there wearing this shin pad I think I travelled to Japan on the flight wearing this thing on my nose meeting a group of guys I'd never met before and I look back and I think what a twat <laughs> Joe, you know I literally I can't remember that I'm, I'm glad you know, I'm, I'm glad mate I'm, I'm glad you, you, you see I was saying that I'd, I'd, I'd normally like to have banter to be honest with you <laughs> And it must have been a hell of a shin pad as well to fit that nose. Is it, is it a cricket pad? It was a cricket pad, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's a. Uh, let's say I can imagine like looking at it now from your point of view, coming to London, seeing these these lads are all together and probably probably loud, boisterous. Yeah. Uh, must have been quite a quite a frightening scenario for you to be pushed into. Yeah. And was there any other Welsh lads that you'll come with? Yeah, there was one one and other I'm, lad. Yeah. And you must have just been. I think he just left us to it. Yeah, just. But then, but then, obviously, we, we didn't get to choose who we were rooming with. Which is a good thing for them kind of scenarios. Yeah, my roommate was uh, probably a lad you've, you've known for years, Glenn Southern. Yeah. Uh, so I was playing centre midfield with him on the on the tour and stuff like that. But again, a character that I hadn't come across someone like him. Yeah, he is. Is he a, an Essex boy? Yeah, he is a proper Essex boy. Isn't yeah. I'm still good friends with Subs now. We're uh, we're meeting for dinner tomorrow night, and he's. He's still knocking around the non-league circuit. Is he? 37, still fit as a flea. Um, and uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's still, he still loves the game. And it's a great player as well. Yeah. I don't think he ever really filled his full potential um, in the league. Played a couple of seasons with Dagenham and then I think he went to Hereford okay. and Barnet and stuff. But yeah, no, he is a complete contrast to any other. Well, he's probably the equivalent of Gavin Henson from Wales. Yeah, he's yeah. the, the Welsh Gavin Henson equivalent. Yeah. But, He's, no, I say it's, it is a chalk and cheese, but then these things are sometimes when you're pushed into these parts in life that you just literally sink or swim, they're, they're better for you because you, you have to, you've got no choice but to swim, yeah. and then it broadens your, your mind. And I think that's a great thing about football. I think no matter what race, religion, backgrounds, um, it still feels the same to go on that pitch and play, it still feels the same to score a goal. It still feels the same to be left out of a squad. I mean, that football does bring everyone together. And I've, I've got friends out of football that are a complete contrast to me who come from complete beliefs and come with complete different beliefs and come from complete different upbringings. But we get on so well, and, I, and that's because of football that brings you together. Yeah. Do you, do you still feel that joy playing football like you did as a kid, or did something change along the way? Like um, from, from my experience, so on, like injuries and this and that, I mean, towards the end, it, it was it was like a job, you yeah. know. Physically, I just I couldn't do it anymore, so I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, it's, um, it's a good question because throughout my career, I've loved the game 100%. There's been phases in my career where I haven't, um, but then whether it be um, a, a close season when you're away on holiday and you, you miss it again, or whether it be your team's doing well and you're desperate to be a part of that or whether it be that you just literally just you're just actually playing well and you love that feeling of doing that and it's almost like I've never taken a drug in my life but I can assume that the feeling of scoring a goal or being a part of a winning team is it will, will eclipse any kind of drug that you can ever possibly take and it's that craving for that again that keeps yeah. me going and I say we're on the brink of another promotion and just being a part of a squad like that and them kind of things that you can look back on and be proud of uh, is things that keep driving me and but I think I'd, I thought when I was 25, 26 I'd be I'd say 34 now and I've had enough for, but it's, I'm still as hungry as ever to do well and still as hungry as ever to succeed 
individually and as well as collectively and probably more collectively now than individually because I'm at an age now where you realise that it's not all about yourself and you're going to probably achieve more by being a part of a good squad and a good core than just being selfish yeah. um, and so some I play I play now a lot less for myself and a lot more for the team and that's I think that's you need a, you need a balance of that and uh, going back to the, the, the question that no the hunger for me hasn't gone and I think I'll keep playing as long as one my legs let me and as two as I've got this hunger because I think if you haven't got this hunger then you can't play I, do, I think especially the way the game's gone if everyone's so fit everyone's so strong yeah if you let that go no matter how technically good you are you'll get found out. So as long as I'm still hungry and still want to put the effort in off the pitch, because it's not one on the pitch that people see, it's off the pitch, that's an important part for me. And especially, particularly when you're older, you've got to look after yourself outside. And it's, it's, it's the reps and the work that you do when no one's looking at the most important. Anyone can do it when people are looking or when the coaches are there. It's just what you're doing outside of football, because I think you're in, you're in the football training ground or the football on a Saturday, probably about, five to ten percent of the actual week yeah so what you're doing the other 90 95 percent of the week that counts for yeah. me and what's really important and um yeah i've still got that in abundance i still eat well i still live well i still try and do the best i can to be able to play for as long as i can never had any pace never had any strength very true <laughs> true but still managed to somehow be on the pitch you're like you should be the equivalent to like um the NFL guy who comes on just to take the kicks. Yeah, I'd love that. So it's just when when there's a free kick. Yeah, on comes songs. That would do me. That would save me a lot of injuries and save me a let's say a, a lot of a lot of gym sessions. But no, it's uh, I still yes I still manage to be out there and hopefully affect games in the right way. And uh, as long as that continues to happen, I'm going to try and play as long as I can because I, I come into the game late and I love it. Yeah, you're, so by now you're probably the opposite to how I was feeling. You're, you're still enjoying it. You can still do it. Um, you know, there, there comes a point where the juice isn't worth the squeeze, if you like. Mm. You know, physically, you're going to miss it when you finish. That's that's what I sense when when you're talking there. Mm. For me, retiring pressure, weight off off my shoulders. I could get on, crack on with life. You're going to get to a point where you're going to be clinging on to little games of five aside on the street and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I think that's that's true. And I I don't I don't know why, but I love that pressure. I love the. I love the fear of not doing well. Okay, so you love that, that pressure. I recently read, uh, I don't know if you saw it, uh, an article per Mertesacker did no. about the pressures he feels and has always felt throughout his career, the sick feeling. Mm. I remember I'd go to the toilet. I could really, I read that and I thought, that was me at times, mm. six or seven times before a game and stuff. Never for you, just no, get I, your boots on. No, I love it. Like, I think there's, there's two kind of people, isn't there? People that, I say, Kev O'Connor. Yeah. Uh, Brentford legend for the club forever he said he didn't miss that feeling of letting people down whereas I don't look at it like that yeah. I can't wait to go out there and show off yeah, 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 and yeah. I think there's two aspects of players and I think that's I say and I don't think there's a, a right or wrong I, but believe me I'd rather be the, the guy that wants to try and show off because I wouldn't want that because I've had that fear before when, when your confidence is low yeah. I didn't like that feeling but I think if you try and be on that crest of a wave and you try and be positive thinking and you just think, right, I want the ball, let me show what I can do, it's a definite, almost like a law of attraction kind of thing where yeah. you're like, I want to do well, I can't wait. Whereas if you try and say, oh, I don't want to mess up, you normally mess up. Yeah. And it's, 
So like for instance, when you take a free kick, when I take a free kick, I'm just looking at a postage stamp of where I'm, put, I'm putting the ball. Yeah. I'm not, oh, I hope it goes in there. I'm like, it's going in that top corner or it's going in the keeper's left or whatever. I mean, hopefully it does happen. But I think if you're just hitting a hopeful free kick or you're hitting a, you're hitting a hopeful pass, or, sometimes it just doesn't quite happen. And it's, I, I, I've never been that part of where I don't want to go out to the pitch because I'm, I'm, yeah, a couple of times I've, I've said, I've shouted for the ball and I've hid behind the player. Yeah, like, but players do that quite a lot. Yeah. But I've done that and then I've come off the pitch and been so disappointed in you myself. You recognise that you've done yeah, it. Yeah, and I've been like, don't ever do that again. Like, and I think that players that do it and don't recognise it, I say for me bravery is trying to get the ball definitely make things happen I don't think bravery is going out and smashing someone and yeah you can never often do that but I think bravery is getting the ball trying to make things happen and particularly when your team's not playing well yeah. when your team's not playing well that's when you see the real characters um, everyone can play well when you're winning 3 or 4 nil up at home and everyone's all laying and laying it's when you're not or you're away from home and you're 2-1 down you need to try and turn it around I think that's when you see the real character. That's probably why my loan move at Brentford didn't work, because you know, that's my memory of you. I, just standing behind someone <laughs> shouting. What? The gaffer on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably me battering you for playing in front of me. Yeah. But uh, no, it's it's the thing, like I think in football it's, it's so much of it is the six inches between your ears. I think in life it is really, but... You, you mentioned the law of attraction there, don't yeah. know if, if you've read The Secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, stuff like that, how much has stuff like that helped you? I, I'm onto that now, mm. thinking, fuck, I wish, I wish I knew about this 10 years ago. You yeah. know, but I've, I've always done stuff with psychologists and stuff to get yeah. over injuries, but mm. is, that, is that a big part of you? I've, literally, something I've come across a, a bit more, really. I see, I, last couple of years, my mum had cancer and um, she'd um, had bone cancer and it, and it really it, it really affected me at, like every time I felt something every time I felt a niggle or say I'd fear the worst yeah. and it was ruining my life it was literally I was going day to day and be thinking that I had something every, and I was like I've got to get out of this because it's just crazy and it mentally really 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 was 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 a quite a toughest time to see, obviously seeing my mum go through what she went through and thank god she's She's obviously the, the operation she had went really well, and she's on the road to recovery. But it, at the time, it wasn't. I was obviously there for her and my sisters and my dad and that. And it was only like a few months after that it really, really affected me. So then I started getting into this law of attraction, getting into the secret, getting into feeling, feeling, feeling positive and thinking positive, and it really did help. And now I, I don't think about. I still get little glimpses and little blips when you think about stuff and that, but on a whole, I'm a lot more of a positive person, a positive figure, which you just feel like you've got a complete weight lifted off your shoulders. And I can associate that with football when you're playing badly yeah. and you don't want the ball and you feel, when you're confident, you feel like you can run all day, you feel like you're sharp, you feel like you're just one step ahead, you know your next pass before you receive it. When you're not confident, you feel sluggish, you feel unfit, you feel weak. You feel like, 10 years of that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you know, it's, and it's just the, the six, six inches between your, your ears is the most important in life and in anything you, you do. And I'll like say I'm similar to you, I wish that I had that earlier on in my career. I'm probably lucky that I had earlier on in my career, probably a bit of cockiness that got me away from feeling so negative all the time. Because yeah. even the time when, when you was at Brentford, I was going for a bad spell on the pitch and I wasn't playing and 
But never once did I think that I couldn't. I was just that arrogant young lad from London that thought he was definitely going to get in. And when he got in, he was going to show him how wrong the manager was. And that was my way of going through it then. But yeah, it's, it, I think it's, it's so important to be positive and try and think positive. And that law of attraction for me is something that I do do daily now. Going through that tough period where you weren't playing and stuff like that, I, I never got, got the sense of it off you. Um, but it can sometimes happen. You can become that negative influence in the dressing room because you've got 25 lads, only 11 can play. Yeah. Quite a few are going to be out of favour with a manager. And then you start having a little gossip in the dressing room. Yeah. You know, suddenly you're not happy you're not playing. But what, what I've found is, in hindsight, if I wasn't playing, I'd say to my mate, oh, I can't believe I'm not fucking playing. How is this guy playing in front of me? Mm. You know, you're, you're then trying to bring him down. And ultimately, in football, team sport, but you're self-employed, no one cares. Mm. As long as they're playing, yeah. nobody wants to hear your shit. No, it's, so it's, it's a selfish industry. And particularly, if you're a young lad and you've got the goals to get to the top, you'll do anything you can to, to get that shirt. And it doesn't matter if he's your best mate, you still want to be playing in front of him. Yeah. Um, it's only when you get older that you probably have a bit more humanity about yourself and about, I say I was, um, this speaks volumes for, I say I've, I've just mentioned about, see my mum having cancer and she was gonna go in, first game of the season this season. It was uh, me and Matthew Bloomfield playing for, um, playing for a, a spot in the starting of the level. Um, all pre-season I've been starting, thought I was definitely gonna start. Gaffers pulled us on the Friday and said, look, it's a, it's a coin flip between you two. But I think I'm going to go with Blooms because Lincoln are a big physical side. Um, it's going to be a lot of second balls and see, Blooms is very, very good at that. Um, and, I was, and he was like, but Sam, you're starting on a Tuesday against Fulham in the, in the cup. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Gaffer, I, I, can't, I can't play Tuesday. And he was like, why? Well, I said, well, my mum's starting the chemo. I'll go in and see her. Uh, I was going to ask you the day off, but obviously I was going to wait for after the game. Yeah. And he was, uh, oh, um, oh, sorry, so sorry to hear that and whatever. I was like, don't worry about. It. I didn't want to. I didn't want that to make his decision. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're warming up on the training pitch on a Friday. I'm gutted. Obviously, first game of the season. I know even at our age, it still means the world to start the first game of the season because you, even though it's irrelevant in a big scale of things, everyone wants to be in that first eleven. Warming up, and I see Blooms run over to the gaffer, and I'm thinking, "What are you doing?" And he's come back, and like, he ain't said nothing to me. And then the gaffer's then done the shape, and he's like, "Songs, you in?" And I was like, "What?" I said, "Blooms, what have you done?" He's like, "No, you're 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 playing. Your mum's coming to the game Saturday. I want you to play. Um, I'll play Tuesday." And really? I, yeah. And I was like, "That is the most selfless thing I've ever seen anyone do on a football." And like we directly competition for each other, and I think that speaks volumes for the man. And I was like, no, I don't want to play. I'm not going to play because you've done that. And he's like, no, Sam, seriously, I want you to play. It's a long season, and like things like that, you just think, if it, or maybe I don't know. Blooms is a different specimen. It's Blooms is like a Kevin O'Connor, anything okay. for the team, yeah. man of people, unbelievable pro. But. I couldn't imagine must now I'll do it, 100% do it. But when I was 25, I don't think I'd have done it. Yeah. And that's me being, and I just think that in football, you don't really hear stories about that, about people that have just got humanity 
and that meant so much to me and it meant obviously my mum come to the game before she had a chemo obviously we didn't know how that was going to go and how the operation was going to go and thankfully it went well yeah. but that could have been the last game that she came to watch me play yeah. so that was just, you know, just such a fantastic story of individuals and let's say, like I say humanity of people within the sport that you probably don't read about you yeah. people read about what people do on a Saturday night on Snapchat or whatever that is but you don't read about the actual story about there are actually some good guys in, in I say in football, there's probably 95, 98% of good guys, and then the 2% that actually take you know, the, the, I say the, the profession. But then I think that it's just because we're so well publicised. I think if you went into the city and you and you went about all the the guys that work in stocks and shares and stuff, I think there'd be a lot more than 2% of the, the working working guys there. And don't get me wrong, we earn a lot of money yeah. and have a responsibility, but just not in the public eye. That was a lot worse than what. Uh, yeah, but they, people don't want to read papers about that. They yeah. want to read papers about footballers. So I just think that, that was a great story. And as I say, it, it meant a lot to me, and I would say I'll never, never forget that. That's yeah, brilliant. Just to go back a step, talk about the, the secret and positive frame of mind, law of attraction and stuff. You mentioned your mum. Was it, was it her that read it through her treatment and then passed it on to you? No, it was. I spoke to the club doctor because I, said I was finding it hard. And he um, just said about meditation and stuff that people don't really want to speak about because you don't want to be said that oh you're soft touch and you don't stuff. Look, yeah yeah Publers don't want to look different do they no and i think that 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 stigma's coming away from the game slightly now i think there is definitely because they say when glenn hoddle bought it in all the years ago everyone yeah. he got he got ridiculed and stuff and i think it's definitely becoming a lot more of a place for that in the game particularly because it's such high profile particularly because any mistake now is scrutinised on all social media platforms so I think we definitely need that, that place of sanity and uh, that kid that kid yeah, yeah, place I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to lower the track that kid to sharp in a minute but um, no it's um, it's definitely a place for it and I think that more and more it's definitely going to be a part of the game I think you need to have that switch off button I think you need to have that um say the, 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 the thought the feeling of you, you're going to do well and that it just feels so much better than that feeling of i'm going to do crap and yeah that's what i say you felt that more than probably what you felt you was going to do well and that's probably why it's such a relief when you did finish playing because you yeah. just couldn't and imagine if you'd have had that where you felt you felt like you was going to do well that that feeling of joy would over override that feeling of failure yeah. you'd have had probably a better career Coming up this weekend, the live football action on S4C is on Sunday. Sunday, the 22nd of April, we've got Bangor against Kevin Druids. A little battle, you know, in the top six, jostling for places. Bangor expected to win, but they've had their troubles with Kevin Druids. Huey Griffiths' men have uh, had an incredible season, so things are hotting up. European football or the playoffs for European football are on the horizon so these teams are looking to pick up a good bit of form at the right time so join the guys 3pm kickoff on Sunday afternoon 4.45 tune in to get a bit of a, a bit of analysis beforehand with Dolan Ebenezer and the rest of the guys that's this Sunday 22nd of April S4C 2.45. Should I said 4.45? 2.45 with a 3 o'clock kickoff. Bangor City against Kevin Druids.
How much has football changed? You know, it, it changes so quickly, but I've been out of it for three years now. You see bits and bobs, you still have friends in the game and stuff like that, but, you know, there's been a drastic shift in stuff like that, hasn't it? You know, we spoke about players getting older and having training methods tailored to their needs and stuff like that. Things that I look back and think I needed this 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, it's, it's a sports science and that aspect of it and people tailoring their, their sessions and that. It used to be, right, there's a gym session, boys, you all do it. No yeah. matter if you play centre-half or left wing. And why, why does a left winger need to be doing the same work as a centre half needs to be doing? And I just think that that is just helped people. I say I'm 34 now and I feel great. Yeah. Uh, I've just had a bit of an injury, but up until January I played 25 games, which I say is I say I played two 90 minutes in three days over the Christmas period, and I felt I felt I felt like I could have played another one two days after that, yeah. and it was the case of the gaffer tailoring training schedules he doesn't expect everyone to do the same thing as I say as long as you got you're in your best possible condition come three o'clock on a Saturday and you've done everything you can to be in that tip-top condition you, you, I'm not going to be the same as um, a lad who plays in the mud position at 21 years old I can't do the training schedule that he would do to make him feel that I know that my experience in games and knowing the scenarios I can put myself in the best possible positions without making a silly run or without getting myself into trouble where I need to be able to do that. So you need to just be able to tailor it and, and that will make you be able to play play, play a lot longer. Yeah. Um, you see stories now of people being 36, 37, 38 still playing at a decent standard and still, so I'm still covering 12K a game uh, and that's because we tailor the training to be able to do that. And like I say, with what you know outside of football now about being boring, about the diet, about your rest, about trying to stay as much off the alcohol as you possibly can Obviously, we all have our little slip-ups here and there, but it's it's all tailored to be become the best footballer you can become. And it's, like I say, if you've got a hunger and a desire to be there, you're gonna you're gonna do those kind of stuff that 10, 15 years ago wasn't even you wasn't even aware of. Especially in the day and age where 10, 15 years ago, a squad of players, or certainly a starting eleven, a lot of senior senior players with a couple of young lads, maybe that the senior boys would have to look after. It's probably. Uh, maybe not a wicker, it's a lot of older boys maybe, yeah. but these days people want a side full of legs, young players and stuff like that, don't they? Yeah, it's, it's, it's just because it's just the way the game's gone. The game has gone um, high tempo, high press, um, Lots, like I say, lots of short sharp bursts and as a, the way that we can play, we probably don't, we don't play like that. We're, we're different from the norm. Uh, we got to say we got Bayer Akemar in our side, so you got to tailor the way that we play to a, a, to play to his strengths. If we went, if we was a high press team that wanted our front front striker to be pressing both centre halves, Bayer would be off the pitch after 15 minutes. Do you know what I mean? And that's not a negative. We just that's just that's how we just tailor our game and tailor our our methods to the, the squad that we've got. It's like it's gone full circle where all the other teams are going for this high press energy and stuff and, and your gaffers looking at it from a, a throwback point of view. How do we, how well, do we count I, I that? Say, they say there's many ways to see skin a cat and we, don't get me wrong, we press and we work as hard as any other team or if sometimes even harder because we don't keep the ball as well as other teams do. But we're a lot more effective when it comes into the final third. Um, We've scored the most goals, or about, I think we're top three in the whole football league of the most goals scored. Um, 
So we're, we're an open attacking team that scores goals and concedes. But yeah, we're, we're on the front foot and we're not, we're, we're not that bothered if we have 60% possession or not. Yeah. We're just as long as we've got, I say, the result at the end of the game. That's to say we're, we've got a, an older squad now that just knows that it's, it's what it says in the paper on the Sunday that's important, not yeah. how much possession you've got. Yeah. Uh, we spoke about Brentford and the fact that you were, you were there through it all, really. Uh, you know, timing. Seeing the club, League Two, having to battle out, you know, in the old school way and, and kind of thing. And, and then the owners came in and changed it all like a money ball type analytics on who came into the club and stuff. What, what was what was your experience of that? Yeah, they must have had a bug when I signed you, wasn't it? Must have been a malfunction <laughs> in the computer. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it, it works. I think Matthew, how, how involved in it were you as players? No, we wasn't. It was Nothing literally, literally, as a player, I was obviously there before the before the, the stats and stuff, which is otherwise I probably wouldn't have been signed. But it was, as a player, for me, it was great because every year as a squad, we was getting stronger. I'd say the players I've had the pleasure to play with over the last few years have been amazing. And they've, Thanks. And they've gone on to um, doing podcasts. In, in, <laughs> no, they've gone on to be England nationals yeah. and playing in the Premier League. and and stuff and that's because they've signed these young kids that probably no one took a chance on at the time but they've made let's say the, the likes of Alex Pritchard um, James Tarkowski Andre Gray um, Alfie Mawson um, even the young lad Chris Metton who's come through the youth team yeah. like, the standard of players that have, that have come through Brentford have been have been unbelievable and every year I think Mark when uh, Mark Warburton took over he, he raised the levels another I remember yeah and uh, there was there was doubt about him I, I, I know it was your mate Fozzie yeah took the manager's job but Warburton was with him mm. and he was he was almost the brains behind sessions and stuff like that in yeah, terms of changing the it. training was unbelievable and I, I really liked that because because of Wolves come from a city background and a lot of Brentford's um, almost like dangling a carrot was performance-based bonuses were, were massive okay um, our, our wages were lower than anyone else's in the league but our performance-based bonuses were higher than anyone else's in the league so almost like what they had in in the city you know where you do well you get rewarded if you don't you'll get nothing which yeah. is I quite like that method of, of obviously method of a club yeah if you're successful we reward you but if you're not then why would i why would i reward mediocrity which i love and i thought that, that definitely spurred us on and as a footballer you're you're in it for a number of reasons whether you're just professional pride whether you love the game and you want to go on to the next level or whether you're in it for the money and like i said for a lot of people it is a job and you do want to get rewarded because it's a short career and you want to earn as much as you can yeah and some players would come in and go, that's it boys, that's another mortgage payment paid off this month, which yeah. is great because they've earned it with one, we've won a one and it's, it's paid their mortgage off for the month, which is, which is an, an absolute carrot for anyone, you know? So our wages were low comparatively to any other players, any other teams in the league, but when I got promoted on the back of it and the boys got looked after and um, it, was a, it was a thing that they had in the city and I think, that's a, I think for me that's a great format if I ever went into coaching side of it and the manager side of it I definitely base a lot of my my budget on the potential of them getting promoted and looking after them that way because I say that builds a real 
team spirit as well. You know, if everyone's looking, going, oh, we can get this bonus. Yeah. Like that drive. And not only that, it brings the squad together because it's not only the starting 11 that are going to get rewarded, it's the whole squad. Yeah. So you've been in the team and you're not playing and you're not asked if they, they win or lose. If anything, you want them to lose so you can get back in the team. But if you're all together and you think, oh, if we win this, this is so-and-so for our pot, you want them to win. Yeah. And it just, brings, it just builds a great team spirit and a great togetherness. Yeah, I have exactly that same sort of thing at Norwich. Um, it was after I went, came on loan at Brentford and stuff and I wanted them to get promoted because financially it was going to be good for me. Yeah. And I've never felt like that, that way before. I'm not a hu huge football fan in terms of supporting a club and mm. being sad and angry yeah. if they lose and stuff. But towards the end of that season, I have never felt joy like yeah. it. I remember being one, uh, one down against Derby into the 89th minute and then scored two goals, three points. Wasn't even in the squad, we were up in the box, just going crazy. Yeah, it's an unbelievable it's, feeling. It's, I think it's, it's great because whether you was in the squad or not, you you trained the whole season with the team, you've been in and out yeah. throughout the season, you've come in, you've done your bit and whatnot. And I think that it's, it's for me, it just builds such a great team spirit. The chairman took us to Vegas, we went to Vegas, it was fantastic. It was like I say, looking back now, Jimmy, it was unbelievable and I wish that I appreciated it more yeah. at the time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for me, if I was ever going to go into the management side of it, which I hope I do one time with the coaching, I'm definitely going to emphasise that you're going to, if you do well, you're going to get looked after. If you're mediocre, you're going to get paid mediocre. And then we go from there. But is the, the first thing you do is probably put hair dryers in the dressing room. Yeah, and obviously make sure, make sure the boys look good, feel good, play therapist, good. Bit of spray tan and that, and so make sure. Obviously, they they look they look almost as good as me. Not quite, not overshadowing <laughs> me, but almost. Uh, Mark Warburton. I was surprised. First of all, I was surprised when he first came into Brentford. He was different, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, he, he almost. I think he, his coaching background had been with young players, and he was treating men almost like children at times. So that took a little, little bit of time to, to adapt to. And then after that, you could see his training session, his, his methods were very, very good. I, I've been surprised he hasn't quite managed to hit it off Rangers, yeah, uh, Forest. It's, it's difficult because I say his training sessions were uh, up there with the best I've ever had. Yeah. And to be honest, probably, probably have been the best I've ever had. Um, how sharp we passed the ball, how quickly we moved it. I felt like I'd become a better player literally just from training and I don't think that you, I normally find games make you a better player but actually training being a part of like we do midfield sessions and be myself Jonathan Douglas uh, to mind Diogora um, Alex Pritchard Alan Judge uh, Potter Stuart Dallas doing these little passing drills and I'd be like this is unbelievable like it literally was a joy to be a part with yeah. and I'd have like James Tarkowski Harley Dean stepping out from defence and they both all comfortable on the football and it was just like a real at the time I was just coming back from an injury and I was in the and I was in the squad but not quite playing as much as I'd want to do but I was becoming a better player by just being a part of just all these good technical players and it, the, and going back to the, the, the question that you just uh, I'm surprised that yeah we got Rangers promoted and that was you can look at that as a success because the managers before I never managed to do that yeah but I was surprised that he never especially at Forest I thought that would have been a good fit for him because it's a decent <coughs> decent club decent budget but just never quite hit off I still think he's definitely got the tools to be able to get to that next level 100% say so he took Brentford to the playoffs I think the tools you're right he's got the tools 
maybe it proves that to be a manager and a successful one, you need a bit of everything that maybe personality-wise, you know, a big club like Rangers, maybe that's what let yeah. down. I don't know your experiences. I used to go in to see Fozzie asking why I wasn't playing. And I used to sit down with him, with a, he was a manager at the time, ready for this chat, no problem. Next thing I'd hear Warbs behind me, he was sitting on the sofa behind me, I hadn't seen him coming in. And I'd think, oh, for God's sake, he was like, he was a bit like a teacher, you know. That, that's my experience. Yeah, I've never had that. Um, I've always gotten well with Wolves and. It's because uh, he liked you and played you. Oh, obviously, he knows good players. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a time where I, I, I still speak to him here and there now. Like I was going to go out to America a couple of years ago to sign for Tampa. Yeah. And I spoke to him, he was like, do it, do it. And I, I, to be honest, I've never done it. But it was, I think that him and David Weir, when he came in, great guy as well. I just think that, yeah, I don't know why. It's, it's hard to say why it hasn't quite happened and I'm sure Wolves has got his reasons for it but I still think that there is a championship club that he can get hold of and take it to the, take him to that, to that next stage um, but they say it's, it's football is fi such fine lines and it could be say Brentford was they got into the semi-finals probably a year too early yeah. um, and then they lost a couple of players I said, well, when, when, when Wolves, um, he got to the players to, if then he left, didn't he? He went to Rangers. Yeah. Um, if he would have had them the next year, would they have gone one step further? Who knows? Um, but it's, I think in football, the good thing with what happened with Wolves is when he took over the manager, the first year he was bringing players in. Yeah. So he brought them players in and then went into the manager side of it. Whereas his other jobs, He's had to deal with the players, and if not, maybe not. For, for me, in manager now, I think you need three or four transfer windows to get rid of the players that you don't want, and the players that you want to bring in, and then and then get across to the players what what you want them to do. But just managers don't get three or four transfer windows these days. You get one, maybe two, yeah, and then then you're out. And then another manager comes in and wants to get rid of the players that you just signed and brings in. And it's just, it's just a it's a bad scenario as a football club if you just keep changing your managers because. Everyone's got a different idea, everyone wants to play a different way and everyone wants different personnel. And for me, as a chairman, you've got to let a manager have three or four transfer winners at least before you know you've got to back a decision in the first place. Mm. Obviously, I can see the ones that are fighting relegation, they just want an instant pick up. I can see those ones. But the ones that are mid-table and they fire your manager, I just think, well, you've signed him, yeah. give, him that, give him that opportunity to get rid of the players that he had in, that he took over in the squad and let him implement it. You need two pre-seasons, I feel. Yeah, personally, one game in particular, I would imagine you, you, you've asked, you've answered loads of questions about that infamous playoff semi-final penalty against. Was it Trotter that hit the bar? Oh no, it was. Um, that was the last game of the season. Um, for promotion, you for ended promotion. up in the playoffs. We were course. playing Donny. It was us, Donny. I can't remember the other team that was up there. Um, Bournemouth. Yeah. It was us, Bournemouth, and Donny. I think we started in third, um, and Donny was second. <clears throat> and uh, all, either, all three of us could have won the league that day. And uh, it was nil-nil. We needed to win to win the league or get promoted. If we got, if we won, we was up. Donny needed a draw yeah. to stay into the top two. I think Bournemouth ended up drawing, so either one of us that won could have got. We got a 90-minute penalty. Um, I remember being on the pitch at the time and 
Kevin O'Connor was the designated penalty taker. I remember, yeah. Uh, Steady Eddie. Trots being, and it was, it was, it was, it was, it was rope. It was rope from the gods for Kev to score the winning penalty to get smoked to the championship. Trots being Trots got the ball, won't give it to Kev, and I'm like Trots, like. Come on, Kev's the penalty taker. But to be honest, if I'm not, I fancy Trots. Okay. I fancied him. I generally thought he was going to score. And if I didn't think he was going to score, there was no way I was going to let him have the ball. Kev being Kev, like a gentleman, a bit like, a, like Matthew Bloomfield, was like, all right, let's not create a scene. If I was a penalty taker, I'm getting the ball. I don't care. I'm getting the ball. Um, You'd still be there now. Oh, yeah. They'd still be grabbing all each other now, trying to drag us off. But. So anyway, I thought, right, well, I fancy trots. Kev's, Kev's that for a bit. Kev's a skipper. Kev's a penalty taker. Let's go with that. He's hit the bar. He's flew up the other end. They've scored. Literally within three seconds. I'm just laying on the pitch thinking, oh, my God. Playoffs. Summer gone. Unbelievable. Not promoted. Um, and, yeah, they, Donny went and won the league. We went to playoffs. Semi-final. Swindon, we get a penalty, Kev scores it. I remember. And then we lose against Shovel in the final. So it was an, an absolutely a nightmare. Luckily, the next year we went and got promoted. But yeah, as you can imagine, it was an experience that at the time you just look at and you're in the moment, you don't really think about how crazy that actually was. Yeah. But only looking back at it now and you think you was literally a penalty kick away from going and get promoted. <laughs> and then they went out the other end and, 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 and won the league. It's think. probably, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the same season, like the next week or so. The only thing that probably made, made people forget about that to a certain yeah, extent Leicester, wasn't it? was the Leicester Watford yeah. one. And it was crazy. Exactly I couldn't the same believe thing. it. And to be honest, see, Donny and Yeovil went and got promoted or whatever. And obviously, Bournemouth went on to be fantastic. But yeah. Donny and Yeovil backwards, went backwards. and. It probably danced a favour. We probably wasn't ready enough to go into the championship then. The next year, we went and got promoted all, all, um, automatically, and we was a lot stronger. And we had that team was a year wiser, a year older, because he kept yeah. he kept the core of the team. Yeah. And then that's why I think that we went on to do so well in the championship the following season. We, we, we had it at Swansea, where they'd just been promoted League Two to League One. I signed. We got to the playoff final that season. Uh, lost on penalties against. Barnsley, big Baywalk in Fenway, fucking missed. <laughs> um, but the club wasn't ready and it yeah. probably helped them long term. Uh, but you're 34 now, Sam. I'm pretty sure you're still going to be playing somewhere when you're 40, but you're starting to plan for life after. You've got a big meeting coming up. Thomas Royal. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm literally going over to the office now um, from this podcast. Um, Thomas Rowe, yeah, it's my swimwear brand that I've got alongside Liam Ridgerell, who's your Portland Timbers, and John Terry, uh, so I know I need to mention who, where he's at and so forth, but yeah, it's a thing I started a few years ago when I was injured, just set, set up for the lads really. And you set the ball rolling, yeah, your idea. Yeah, I got injured and something I set up and it was um, something just to take my mind off the football, uh, just you know what it's like when you're injured for long hours, you're, you're, you're training on your own, you're in physio treatment on your own, you go home, you just think about injuries, you sit on the game ready all day and it's just driving you mad, so I just needed something to give me that little bit of a pick up in my step and yeah, started that, literally wanted to do four or five designs, stick them online, stick them with my Twitter, or whatever, just send them to the lads and yeah. before you knew it, it just got a little bit of a snowball effect and 
I couldn't just do three or four designs, I had to do 10 and then I started to do this and that and before you knew it, we was in some decent stores. Liam Ridgewell's your your big mate. Yeah, you Liam. got him on board, John Terry. Yeah, I started it off, and I was like, Lee, like I'm going to get involved. Um, we'd spoke at the time about doing something outside of football, and he was like, Yeah, I'll get involved in that. So we both went down the middle and invested into it. After a year, JT got involved. He basically bought he bought six pairs online. Right. And he came up on my phone, PayPal, John Terry, sorry. <coughs> I was like, Hi, right. like he's made a big order. I see him on Instagram in Dubai wearing them, and I was like, so my mate had the same agent at the time. I'd like to see if he'd drop us a, drop us a message on um, Instagram, like a shout out or whatever. And he was like, why, why does Sam want that? Yeah. Anyway, got into it, and he was like, I love them, I love the way that they've been delivered, I love the, the quality of the shorts, the feel. Um, can I speak to Sam when I get home? I was like, yeah, of course. And then before we knew it, John's got on board, and then we're three or four seasons down the line, and. We've got, I uh, say, bikinis, uh, swimsuits for the kids now, matching, we've got shirts. So we, we, we've, it's a very, very tough industry to be in, and particularly because it's a swim short swimwear brand. It's seasonal. Yeah. So there's a lot of pitfalls in what we've do, done here, but the quality of the, the garments that we produce and the response that we've had has been very good, and it's something that I'd love to continue to do outside of football when I finish. Um, but it just it determines on how well we do, really. But it's, it's still, with these kind of brands, it's relatively, Floats are brand loyal, you know? If you buy, like say, you bought that top from Matalan, you like you like medium tops from Matalan. So you know you're gonna buy that regularly when you go in there. But yeah. for me, let's see, it's just getting the brand, the guys that are brand loyal to come and try the brand and try and see what we do. And, and then once you once you hook them in, they they they, they seem they seem to, to like what we're doing. And I say a lot of hard work goes into it, and there's a lot lot more hard work to come. We've got a, we've got the, the spring summer 18 launch party in Mayfair this year, which is really nice for us. We're going to do it at the Bentley store, so we've got that to show the new collection, which I'm looking forward to. And it's going from strength to strength, but I say the hard work is, is, is definitely we've only just started. I was in Selfridges yesterday. No yeah. sign of them. No, no, not yet. No, not yet. We was in we was in Harrods. Um, was in Harvey Nicks as well. Um, yeah, it's um, I say Selfridges is a great store. And was you lost? What were you doing shopping at Selfridges? <laughs> but it was a uh, yeah. Say it's it's a long way to go, and we need to broaden our horizons by being. We've got to follow the sun, being such a seasonal brand. But yeah. it's enjoyable, hard work, stressful as well, but. Massive life lesson, really, learning curve-wise. This has always been a little avenue. This has only just come back into my mind now. My time at Brentford, you know, don't get you in trouble or anything, but I've had boxer shorts up until quite recently. So all sorts of holes in them. He used to come up. Good, yeah. good supply of gear. Yeah, I say, I say being, Del Boy, you? being yeah. from London. and Watches as well. Selling ice to the Eskimos and stuff. But I say, <laughs> you, you've got to make money anyway. And I say, I, I used to... Used to come in with a nice bag of Gavin Kleins. Yeah, Gavin Kleins. Uh, I don't know. That's that's all lies, by the way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I just think that's just from my roots back home, and used to come in for the lads and have a box of goodies for the boys and trying to trying to earn me weekend money on the back of that. So I had a good night out on the back of you. So thanks for that. <laughs> Sky Sports as well. Last last thing. You know, you, you spoke about coaching, uh, business head is, is firmly on. You're planning for the future and, and obviously punditry as well, enjoying that? Yeah, love that. Done a, done a few bits, done a um, little bit on TalkSport, do the stuff with Sky. 
um, particularly if they cover Brentford games, um, like to get involved in that, really enjoy it, uh, something that um, I'd like to do more and more in the future, uh, it's, it's a tough industry to get involved in, so um, I understand that, I've got to have other, other avenues as well, but yeah, it's, it's something that for me, I want to stay involved in the game in some aspects, whether it be coaching, whether it be media, who knows, or whatever it could be. But you know, I like to be involved in the game, so I've still got a massive hunger for it. And um, yeah, I think it's, for me, when you come out of the game, there's, there's not a script of, a, of where you can go and where you can't. So it's just trying to create as many avenues as I can so I can make the decision that's best for me and my family. Future games, mate. I know a guy who can sort you out with a couple of jackets. You know, to replace those baggy fits that you normally have. <laughs> to be honest, I take that as a bit of an insult because uh, you know my gear's up there. But it's, uh, it's to be honest, uh, I've, I've just popped into Baby Gap to get my next jacket, so <laughs> I'm all right for the next outing. So it's been a pleasure to catch up with you. It's been too long. Uh, good luck, everything that you do next, mate. Cheers, nice one, Tom. Man. There we have it. Super Sammy Saunders. Good chap. Brilliant to catch up with him. And not just about the football things, you know, catching up on old times and this and that and little stories. Um, I, I'm enjoying seeing what these guys have got planned next. And, and this guy, he's obviously got his um, got his business hat on. He's, he's an intelligent lad. He doesn't look it. Doesn't seem it at times. But he's an intelligent lad. He's uh, slowly sussing out his his uh, his pathway. So look out for him, whatever he does next. Get onto Thomas Royale. Buy yourself some shorts. Buy yourself a little, uh, buy the missus a little bikini for the summer. Um, and catch up, you know, enjoy seeing him on Sky Sports whenever he gets the old, the old media work. So big thanks to Sons for his time. Thanks to you for downloading. Spread the word, spread the love. Uh, leave a little review for me if you can and subscribe thank you very much <laughs>